That was good. I got I have a friend in Georgia, and she told me recently, like she watched it online, and she's like, you are almost charismatic. I was like, no, honey, I'm there. I'm there. I'm there. I'm, anyway, wasn't that good? Wasn't that great? I just, I love that song. I just love that song. And then our band, the way they just lead it, I was just like, mm, awesome. All right, I'm getting the message. Um, I, had some, I had some friends recently that went on a trip, uh, had a great time. Didn't invite me, but they, they had a great time. And, uh, and, then, and then I'm getting ready. Shannon and I are going on vacation next month. And I started thinking about preparing for a trip. And there's, there's basically two types of people when it comes to getting ready for a trip. The first type is uh, it doesn't matter where you're going. It doesn't matter for how long you're going. You can pack and be ready for the trip in 30 to 45 minutes max. And, and you're just, you, you're ready to go. How many people are like that? You can just be ready to go. Okay, these are mostly men, mostly the men. Okay, I'm just pointing that out. And then there are other people that, that packing is an experience. And it, it's, it, I, I remember talking to a friend one time. I was like, hey, um, what are you doing this week? She said, I'm packing for my honeymoon. I said, you're getting married in like three weeks. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah but I'm packing ahead. I'm like, dear God. And not only do you pack ahead, you, quote, buy outfits for the trip. It's like, no, I'm not gonna wear this until the trip. So anybody like that in the room? Okay, all the women notice. Couple, yeah, okay, that's, and I'm not saying this right or wrong. I'm just saying it's, it's different. Now, some people, when you pack, you're, you are a minimalist, meaning, man, I see some people elbowing, y'all need to, no, okay, so that you're, like, you can just, so you're going somewhere for seven days, you, yeah, like, two pair of underwear, one pair of socks, and you, you can just make it work, right? You, you're, you're gonna do as much as you can to take as little as you can with you, and then other people, I mean, you just might as well ship your closet to the country you're going to. It's like, hey, can we just ship? You just take everything. Like, you're going somewhere for three days, but you take seven outfits because you've got to dress like you feel. I was thinking about that and preparing for trips when I was getting ready for this series because there's so much you can talk about in an end time series. Um, I was telling y'all last week about how I prepare messages, and several weeks ago I was preparing for this message, and I was like, okay, this, because I thought this would be awesome. Because at the end times, there's gonna be a river that comes out of Jerusalem, and it's going to go straight to the Dead Sea. Now, in order to go straight to the Dead Sea, it's gonna hit and destroy this mountain called the Mount of Corruption. It's the mountain where Solomon built all the pagan idols to. Um, he had 700 wives and 300 concubines, and, and it wasn't that he had 700 wives, it was that he had 700 mother-in-laws, hello. And so most people think that's why he went crazy. And so he built all these altars, and the river is going to destroy that mountain. And when it hits the Dead Sea, nothing can live in the Dead Sea, nothing. There are no fish, no anything. But when that water hits the Dead Sea, Things are gonna be able to live in the Dead Sea and the Bible says there's gonna be fish there and there's gonna be fruit trees and they're gonna grow and there's so much symbolism and I was getting excited and God was like, we're not talking about that. And I was like, okay. So then I started looking at the book of Daniel because the book of Daniel is loaded with some end time stuff, hello. And when you start doing a comparison with the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, there we go, I love you people, we're getting it. Revelation, 
You look at Daniel and Revelation and you look at some of the parallels and Daniel and John were about hundreds and hundreds of years apart, but they're writing some of the same things and you're, you're getting excited. And I was making some comparisons and God was like, yeah, that's cool. We're not talking about that. I threw my pen down. I was like, fine, you come up with a message then. He said, thank you. <laughs> they're always better when I preach them anyway. That's what he told me. So, so, so today I want to talk to you because like I said, there's so much we can cover. But today, I just want to ask you, we're just going to basically cover one question. Are you packed and ready for the trip? Because you're going. Everybody in this room is going to step into eternity. It's an appointment that we don't know when it's going to be, but I'll guarantee you that none of us will be late. And so when you step into eternity, are you ready? Are you packed? Because there's, 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 I'm gonna be honest with you, for, for years and years and years, I thought, and this is probably because I saw one too many bad cartoons, that we were all gonna be in line, like this one long line. And God's on the throne, and there's Jesus, and he's like, You go to heaven, you go to hell, you go to, like, how many of you have thought, have this thought, okay? And I'm gonna be honest with you, okay? I've prayed the salvation prayer approximately 4,782 times because I'm scared. Like, I didn't want to be that guy that was like, okay, I just may, I mean, you get there and it's kind of like the last COVID test I took. I knew I was going to pass it. I knew I didn't have the COVID, all right? But I'm scared to death. I'm like, what if somebody just sneezed on me with the COVID and I've still got it? So, so I thought that's what judgment day was going to be like. Like everybody's in this one long line. But according to scripture, there's, there's two judgments. There's two judgments at the end of times. Now, you're only going to be at one of them. We are only going to be at one judgment. And the first judgment I'm going to talk about is called the judgment seat of Christ. This is a judgment, put that in air quotes, for believers. Now, I'm in full transparency, when I first became a Christian, there was about a period of a like a week or two that I wasn't sure I wanted to go to heaven. And it's because I heard this really bad teacher, I'm not gonna mention the person's name, but there was this really bad teacher and I went to this event and, and I was a brand new Christian, so I was so impressionable. And he said, let me tell you what heaven's gonna be like. It's one of those guilt-driven invitations. We're getting ready to get invitation time. It's guilt-driven. Heaven's gonna be like, heaven's gonna be like, you're gonna walk into a giant movie theater and everybody that's lived for all eternity is gonna be able to see a movie of your life and everything that you did. And I thought, hell ain't so bad. No, hell, hell's not bad. <laughs> Frying forever like bacon, I'm in. I put me on the Hell Express because um, I'm gonna be honest with y'all. There's some stuff about my life I don't want y'all to see. Hey, let me get more, let me get more real. There's some stuff that I've done that I don't wanna relive. And, and then I found out he was about as full of it as a constipated elephant, so I felt better about, you'll get that later, but I felt, but, but, but there's going to be a judgment for believers, people who are followers of Jesus. And we see this appear um, in scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter three. And I love, <laughs> I love reading about the Corinthian church because the Corinthian church was a messed up church messed up. And it makes me feel so good about our church because we are messed up. We are so, that's the difference. Now, let me just be, every church is messed up here. You're just free to admit it. 
all right? You're just so free. You don't have to pretend, all right? Here we go. This is what Paul wrote. Um, he said that there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. So let me just be very clear. None of us are gonna be judged for our sins. If you're a believer, none of us are gonna be judged for our sins in heaven because our sins are paid for by Jesus. Sin and shame are illegal substances in heaven. You can't carry them. But Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter three, he said, because of God's grace to me, now let me stop right there. If there's anything good in my life, it's because of God's grace to me. Every good thought I've ever had, every time I've got it right, every, like anything good in my life, it's God's grace. So because of his grace to me, I've laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. In other words, Paul's saying, hey, let's be careful about how we live our lives. And then he goes on to say this, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. In other words, Paul says, if anything is built on Jesus, it's not gonna last. Then he goes on to say, anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. Now let's look at the two categories that Paul lays out for us. Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. There's two categories. Um, gold, silver, and jewels right here, wood, hay, or straw. Now, if, if you got a choice between building something, like all of us are gonna choose the gold, none of us are gonna say the wood, hay, and the straw sounds good. No, it's the gold and the silver and the jewels. But on judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. In other words, the quality of our life, how we lived our life for Christ. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. Pause. People have asked me for years, are there rewards in heaven? And according to this verse and pretty much the totality of scripture, the answer is yes. There are rewards. Now, I'm just glad I'm going. Like what, what are, people have asked me, what are the rewards gonna be and what are they gonna be like? I don't know. Some people say we get a bunch of crowns. Um, some people say we get like, like certain, I don't know if there's a level. I don't think God is like into Amway pyramid stuff, but maybe he is, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just glad I'm going. But there will be rewards in heaven. Um, and Paul goes on to say, but if, the work, but if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved but like somebody barely escaping through a wall of flames. So Paul said, Paul tells the church in Corinth and, and us today that if we're a follower of Jesus, meaning we've given our lives to Christ, Jesus lives in us, that there will be a judgment for us and it's the judgment seat of Christ. And once again, we're not judged for our sins because they're paid for by Jesus. We're judged for the work that we did. Now, I can boil, I can boil it down to about three things based on, once again, the totality of scripture, I think every believer is going to be judged on about three main things. If you're a note taker, you can write this down. If you're not a note taker, you should become one. All right, here we go. Letter A, time. Now I got a question for y'all. Once again, it's okay to be honest. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and put my hand up. I have done what I'm about to ask. You brought somebody with you today 
and they're brand new, you're so nervous because you're like, we don't know what he's going to ask. <laughs> it's nothing bad. How many of you have ever binge watched a TV series or a TV show on like Netflix or Hulu or Amazon? Okay, that's everybody in the room except the people from Belton. We're glad you're here. Um, I was binge watching TV shows before you could stream them. I, I, I remember back in the 90s, there was a TV show that came on ABC called Lost. I'll never get that time back. The ending of that show was the most painful thing I've ever watched. I regretted, I wept, I, I'll never, it, some of y'all, I love the ending. You were high, okay? That's the only reason you would love that ending. But, but I had a friend that gave me, I, listen, this was before Netflix. It was, a, it was a DVD box with the first season. He said, you need to watch this. Now, the first season was awesome. And I said, what is it? And he told me, I was like, I don't know. And I kind of put the DVD in and I watched the first episode. I was like, man, that's crazy. Who are the others? What's the deal with a polar bear? Why is the smoke monster on there? And so I, I watched it till four o'clock in the morning. I had to get up at six. We've all, haven't we all wasted time on something? Now, let me tell you something about time. Time is the great equalizer. Everybody in this room has the same amount. Doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. Doesn't matter your ethnicity. Doesn't matter your gender. Time does not discriminate at all whatsoever. Each of us have the same amount of time. So this is my recommendation. And this is just something for us to like think about and consider. How much time, how much focused time do we give Jesus on a daily basis? Let me make a recommendation. Okay, and if, the, if you're not here yet, I'm telling you, anybody in this room can do this. First thing in the morning when you wake up, leave this face down. I discovered this about four years ago. I would wake up and, and start checking stuff. This is back when we still tweeted we TikTok now, but we didn't TikTok back then. We tweeted, and I got to check Instagram, and I got to check Facebook, and I got to check my email, and I, got to check, and I would spend an hour in bed. Didn't get my day started. Already like mad at the world, or stressed, or freaked out. And then one morning, I remember this. I woke up, and I said, you know what? I am, I own the phone. The phone does not own me. I own the phone. So you're going to stay, fa I talked to my phone, you're going to stay face down. <laughs> so, so start out, just, just get out of bed and give God the first 10 minutes of your day. If that's, now, listen to me, get out of, I just, I just lay in bed and commute. No, you don't. No, you don't. God does not have your full attention. Get somewhere in the house where you can read some scripture Listen to a worship song. Say like how. Give God the first ten minutes of your day. Listen to me. I promise you. I promise you. He will multiply. He will multiply your time. You will be able to get more done than you ever imagined if you put God first. 
And don't tell me, because I have people ask me all the time, Pastor B, how do, you get so, how do you get so much done? You write sermons, and you write books, and you do stories, and you do videos, and you work out, and you run, and you exercise. And I'm like, because I, I put God first. I wish I had that much time. You do. You do. Would you consider putting Jesus first? And just give him the first 10 minutes. I, just this week, just try it for a week. I promise you, he will blow your mind. Um, the second one, this will be fun, is your talent. I was having lunch with a friend one time, and I said, hey, man, what you got planned for the rest of the day? By the way, that's code for lunch is over. Because <laughs> some people never leave. I'll, stand and, I'll say it and stand up. What you got planned for the rest of the day? And he said, I'm so excited. I'm going back to my office and I'm reading a copier lease. I said, you gonna do what? He said, oh, it's the most exciting thing. He said, we just signed a copier lease with this new company and, um, and I, I skimmed it, but it's 10 pages long and I'm gonna go dive into it and make sure we've got the best deal. And I thought, there's a reason you're gonna be single for the rest of your life. <laughs> Cause that's never, hey baby, you wanna read a copier lease? <laughs> Let me look through your cable subscription and see if you got the best deal. Like nobody, nobody falls for that. But you know what? Praise God for this guy. Praise God for guys like him, girls like him. Cause he's into the, because me, I'd be like, huh? Sign the lease, what's in it? I don't know, we'll figure it out in a year or two. Like, I, like some of you in this room, you're organized. You, you make lists. You have color-coded calendars. You're detailed. And the world needs people like you because people like me forget everything. You, are I, you meet some people every once in a while, I'm not talented. Okay, Eeyore, shut up. You are, you are talented. God has given you a gift or an ability to be used by him. Working with kids, that's a talent that I do not have. I tried back in the early 90s. And I've told y'all before, when you start having ideas about how awesome it would be to punt somebody's child, you don't need to work with kids. Now, with talent comes responsibility. I, uh, God, God has given me the ability to, like, to preach and lead, and I, I, I didn't even know that was a thing. I just, I would preach and people would show up. And, and, and we are given a talent so that we can honor God with that talent. And so because of that, there, there comes times when as a leader, you have to step into a situation and talk about uncomfortable and unpopular things. So with that being said, let me talk about a couple things that happened this week that I think, I think number one, one of the problems with our country is the church has been silent for too long. Number two, the other problem is the churches that haven't been silent communicate truth without love. And anytime we communicate truth without love, you get legalism, which is not like Christ. 
So I just want you to hear me say, I love people. I love people. I love all people. But I also take the gift that God has given me very seriously, and I want to step into a conversation that might be uncomfortable for some, but I hope and pray that you'll give me the mercy and grace enough to hear me out. I was incredibly disappointed this week in the leadership of our country as they stood in full support of children having transgender surgeries. I want, you to, I, want to, I want you to listen to me. I want to be very clear. Not only is it wrong, I believe it is satanic because it destroys the work that God himself designed. Now, let me unpack it. Let me unpack it. When I was getting my last tattoo, well, it was not my last tattoo. I've got like two or three more that I'm getting. I'm going to finish this arm out, and then we're going to start working on this arm. And, but, but I was getting my last tattoo, and I was talking to my friend, Todd, who was doing my tattoo, and I just asked him because I didn't know. I said, because um, y'all remember when they didn't do tattoos in South Carolina? We had to go to Hartwell. Everybody going to Hartwell, getting that ghetto tattoo and coming back, right? And so Todd was, I said, Todd, I said, how old you got to be in South Carolina to get a tattoo? He said, 18. I said, well, that makes sense. Because like, you don't want a 12-year-old walking into a tattoo shop is a 12-year-old capable of marking their body for life, yes or no? No. If your kid came to you and said, Mom, I want to get a tattoo, shut up, you're seven. <laughs> or you go buy Cracker Jacks and hope you can dig in the box and find those fake tattoos and stick it on them, and he's fine. If you want to, if you want to smoke, back cigarettes, you got to be like 21, right? If you want to drink, you got to be 21, right? But we're going to tell 11, 12, and 13-year-old children that you can completely change your gender and have surgery and call that okay. And I've had parents go, but it's such a struggle. What do I do? Here's the answer. You be the parent. You be the parent. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean you kick your kid out. It means you love your kid. You have the conversation. Because once a person turns 18, 19, 20 years old, there's a different conversation. But I'm telling you, letting 11, 12, 13-year-old children do this, it's, it's child abuse. And shame on anybody in our government that calls it otherwise. Let, now, let me unpack this a little bit more because I'm going to catch hell for it, but I don't care. I don't care. Like, when, when I talk about issues like this, people go, yeah, Pastor P, it's easy for you to stand up and say, you don't live in the real world. My question always back to somebody like that is, how many babies' funerals have you preached? How many hands have you held when they just found out they got a few days to live? I know more about the real world than I wish I knew. And I was thinking about, in this particular situation, the women that get breast cancer and have to have double mastectomies. That's a traumatic event. You talk to any woman that's gone through that, that is a traumatic event. And yet we're going to tell 11, 12, and 13-year-old girls that's okay? It's inviting trauma 
into their lives. And while I'm on it, let me just stay, stay here for a minute. Because I, I've been bothered by the, the, pretty much the national media's response to the don't say gay bill in Florida. Have y'all seen this? By the way, the bill is seven pages long. You can pull it up online. It doesn't say the word gay anywhere in the bill. It basically says you can't have conversations with kindergartners, first graders, second graders, or third graders about sex. I think that's a pretty good idea. Only half the people in the room clapping, so let me push on this a little bit more. My kindergarten teacher's name was Miss Conette. My first grade teacher was Miss Coffee. My second grade teacher was Miss Pennell. My third grade teacher was Miss Rice. The thought of any of those women <laughs> talking about or mentioning sex makes me want to throw up over and over again. Ugh, especially Miss Pennell. I'm just saying, it was, it was wow. The mom and dad should be having that conversation. By the way, if you're obsessed with talking to kids that young about sex, we need to talk about, we need to talk about you. <laughs> By the way, let me just put this in. I don't need any emails on that. I'm speaking as a child that was molested when I was a kid. So that subject is very sensitive to me and I know what I'm talking about and I will not back down off of what God's word says and I will not back down off the truth. Let's, let's talk about something less controversial. Let's talk about money. <laughs> Time, talent, and treasure will be, will be held accountable on how we handle our money. Now, this is where I love because people, ah, church just wants your money. Y'all, if we wanted your money, we would be going about this all wrong. For example, we would charge you for premium parking. Some of you would pay it. In fact, I would start valeting cars. I would valet your car. We would, we would charge you to take care of your kids. Some of you are like, I'm staying two services today. Why, was it that good? Nope, don't have to deal with my kid. Like your kids. <laughs> we would charge you for the goldfish your children consume. My God, if we charged you for the goldfish, we could have bought them all when it was for sale. We would charge you, is the music good? You pay for concerts, don't you? We'd charge you for that. Now we would charge for all kinds of, listen, anytime I bring up money in this church, I want y'all to know I'm not impressed by money. I'm not after anybody's money. I, I'm, I'm just telling you that, that scripture talks more about money than it does heaven or hell. In fact, Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven or hell. There's over 2,500 verses in the scriptures on money and possessions. And Jesus said where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. It's not a money issue, it's a heart issue. So that's the first judgment. The second judgment is the place that nobody wants to be. It's called the great white throne judgment. Now I had a buddy that, that used to travel a lot. I knew, I mean, he traveled a lot and he had, and, and when I travel, especially in foreign countries, there's this little medicine that you can get that, that keeps you from getting like nauseated sick. Because sometimes, you know, when you travel, you get sick, you get sick on the airplane or you get sick. 
when you get to another country and you're trying to eat. So he, he carried this medicine and if he didn't, if he didn't take it with him, like you didn't want to be his roommate because when he got in the bathroom, it was like that scene from Dumb and Dumber where he took the turbo lax. I mean, it was just bad. Don't act like you hadn't seen that movie and you don't know what I'm talking about. We forgot it one time, and I went on this trip. He, had, he told me the story. He forgot it one time, and he went to the pharmacy area, and, and he was in a country where they did, the person at the pharmacy didn't speak English. And he was like, stomach messed up. The guy behind the counter was like, he was like, diarrhea. <laughs> and you know, Americans, if somebody doesn't understand English, we just yell at them louder, right? Because that's... So he's screaming diarrhea in this pharmacy and everybody's looking around. And finally he went, <laughs> and the guy behind the counter went, okay, yeah, he hooked him up. Like he's, he, he got through. I was laughing with him because I'm like, that's a scary place to be when you're in a somewhere where you need something and you can't get it and you feel like you feel completely helpless. That's a scary place to be, but I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, out of the scariest places in the world to be, that's it. Because this is a judgment for non-believers, for people that do not know Christ. This is what John wrote in the book of Revelation chapter 20. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it, the earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. And I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Now, we're going to stop and remind you, if you're a Christian, you have nothing in the book. It's, it's clear. It's clean because Jesus, the blood of Jesus paid for it. So it goes on to say, the sea gave up its dead and death and the grave gave up their dead and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. I, this is where I don't want to be. And this is why I'm talking about it today because for the Christian, I want to make sure we're handling our time, talent, and treasure in a way that honors Jesus. But for the non-Christian, like, this is real. This is as real as it gets. And who's going to be there? Well, I broke it down in three main categories. Letter A is the procrastinator. Now, we all procrastinate stuff. I'm not saying if you procrastinate, you're going to hell. I'm just saying we procrastinate. Because I heard a guy say this one time, and it's so wise. He said, if I were Satan, I would tell people in the church, Jesus is real. He died on a cross to pay for your sins. He rose from the grave. He lives today. Church is good. The Bible's a great book. But for you, you should just wait. You don't have to do it right now. Just wait. Just sow your wild oats. Live life the way you want to live it. And just wait. And eventually, he keeps talking you out of the decision that you know that God has put in your heart. Which leads to letter B, the, the fearful. Now, 
this is why I didn't want to give my life to Christ. I was scared. I wasn't, this is where, let me pause. I wasn't scared what people were going to say. Because people are going to say what people are going to say. I was scared that God was going to ruin my plans for my life. Because I had amazing plans. Let me tell you about them. I had dropped out of college. And I was working for Ryan's. Some of y'all remember Ryan's. I, and this is back in the day when Ryan's was good. It's not like Buffet America bought them and, and they went to crap. But like, this is back in the day when the food, this is, what, this is when you would go to Ryan's and you would wait an hour in that stupid corral just to kind of get to the food. Y'all know what I'm talking about, okay? On Sundays, especially Ryan's. And I had learned every job in that restaurant and they wanted me to become a manager. And there's, and there's like first degree, second degree, third degree, fourth degree. You start out fourth degree and fourth degree managers made $25,000 a year. <laughs> With all the rolls and chicken drummies I wanted, man, I could just... And I didn't want... God was going to mess with that. I was like, God, if I'm giving my life to you, I'm going to give up Ryan's. I didn't know I was going to get to work in church world. <laughs> I might have procrastinated had I known. But like, I, I, he will mess up your plans. And here's the reason he's going to mess up your plans, because his are better. This is the other thing I'll tell you. I had so much fun in the last service explaining this. I could, tell, I could always tell who the visitors are, because I'll be telling the story. And our people will laugh, and if the visitors will be like, I don't know if I should laugh at this. <laughs> but if you're a Christian, like you've heard people say this before, and it makes me mad. If you just love Jesus, you won't sin. <laughs> what about every one of the apostles? What about the apostle Paul in Romans 7 where he wrote, the things I wish I didn't do, I do. And you know, it, there's this whole thing. I'm not, giving, I, I'm not saying you can't sin. This is the only thing I'm telling you. You just can't enjoy it as much. <laughs> I had a friend that led to Christ. His name was Rob. Rob smoked a lot of weed. And uh, I knew this because people confess random stuff to me. I, just, I can go to Target and get seven confessions before I get out of the store. <laughs> I had a guy recently say, you know I smoke weed, don't you? I was like, I had no idea. I had no idea why you just brought that up. He goes, well, I know you're into like creative and it helps you be creative. I was like, dude, the last thing I need is to get arrested for weed. It is illegal in South Carolina, so keep it to yourself, all right? Not going to tell you who it was, but they have been to this church. So anyway, <laughs> my friend Rob smoked a lot of weed. When I say a lot of weed, like I never saw him not high. He was always happy. So I, I became a Christian lead this guy to Christ, and like he was, like when I led him to Christ, I was, wasn't sure if I should do it, because he was so high that if he'd have just went one more step, he would have been in heaven. Like, that's how high he was. <laughs> and when he prayed to receive Christ, we, we, we did the whole prayer thing, and he's like, so, uh, can I still smoke weed? I was like, Rob, um, man, I, I'm just going to tell you, it's probably not the best thing to do. 
I just don't think it's the wise decision for you. And, and man, I, 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 would just, I would say you probably need to put the weed down. He said, okay. <laughs> and he went for a week without smoking weed. He smoked weed and called me that night. I said, Perry, I smoked weed. I said, bro, that's, man, God still loves you. And he goes, no, 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 man, here's the problem. It don't feel as good. I was like, that's called the Holy Spirit, Rob. You can totally sin, but the Holy Spirit won't let you enjoy it as much. I'm not saying you can't enjoy it. I'm just saying the Holy Spirit the whole time is going, am I right? So to, to the person to the person that says, well, God will ruin my plans or, or I'm gonna have to put this down or I'm gonna put this down or I'm gonna put this down. Listen, here's the good news. God will give you the strength to put down whatever you need to put, at, put down so you can pick up what you need to pick up. That's, that's the God we serve. And last but not least is the, the casual Christian. This is a person more than likely born in the southeastern part of the United States. You think because you went to vacation Bible school with your grandma, you know a couple. You know the story of David and Goliath. You know Daniel went through the lion's den. You know enough about the Bible to be dangerous. You 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 prayed a prayer one time, or you got baptized because your parents made you. But there's never really been a heart transformation. You you know about Jesus. For, for example, this guy's been in the news a little bit this week. People ask me, what do you think about what he did? And I'm like, well, you know what? He made a bad decision. It doesn't take away the hours of laughter that this guy, like watching Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, every time I watch an episode, I laugh like crazy. It's hysterical. But I know all about Will Smith. I know he was born in Philadelphia in 1968. He was born in Philadelphia, like the song says. I know his favorite football team is the Philadelphia Eagles. His favorite food is a Philly cheesesteak. His favorite colors are red and black. I know that he turned down the role of Neo in the Matrix so he could take the role of whatever character he played in Wild Wild West, which, bad decision, right? But after he did what he did and slapped Chris Rock, I couldn't talk to him. I couldn't call him. I couldn't go to his house. If I'd have gone to his house, they would have arrested me. You know why? Because I know all about Will Smith. I don't know Will Smith. And there's a difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. Jesus himself said, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my father in heaven will enter. What is the will of the Father? It's to believe in his son, Jesus Christ, and to accept him into our lives. That's the will of the Father. Jesus goes on to say, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. In other words, we did it all in your name. We knew about you, but we didn't know you. According to this verse right here, it's highly possible to look incredibly spiritual and not know Jesus. And Jesus said, I, I never knew you. 
You knew about me, but you didn't know me. Away, get away from me, you, you evil doers. Now listen, I'm not trying to make anybody doubt. If you prayed to receive Christ, if there's been a point in your life you know you prayed to receive Christ, then Jesus lives in you. Our, our salvation does not depend on us. It depends on him. And while we fall down and make mistakes, he's never fallen down or made a mistake. If we've given our life to him, he has them in his hands and he will not let us go. But salvation is not, dear God, I don't want to go to hell. Salvation is when we declare with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's Jesus is Lord. When we say Jesus is Lord, what are we saying? Jesus, I give you complete control. I made a lot of mistakes in my life. I'll probably make a lot more. But on May 27th, 1990, I said, Jesus, you are Lord. And he changed my life. And he's never let go. He's always been faithful. I don't know when I'm going to step into eternity. I don't know when you, you're going to step. But I know that when I get there, there's some things I want to see. Like, I want to see the streets of gold. I want to see the walls. And I want to see, I want to see the crystal sea. I want to see the mansions. I want to see all that. I want to see that. I want to see my mom. I want to see my dad. I want to see my grandparents. I mean, there's some people I, I, I want to see. But there's nothing or no one that I want to see more than Jesus. When I get to heaven, I, and I'm not just saying that. I want to see Jesus. I want to see the, the man that saved me and loved me through it all. That's what I want for me. And that's what I, I think when I step into heaven, the only word I'm going to be able to say is holy. I, I, like, I, like Jesus, you are holy. You are so good and so wonderful. And so before I give the invitation today, I just want us to reflect on what it's going to be like when we step into eternity. And if we know Christ, how amazing that will be. So Jesus, right now, I want to ask for every single one of us in this room, God, to have complete clarity. And Jesus, for those of us in this room that know you, God, that we could celebrate the fact that one day we, we get to see you in all pain and all suffering and all harm and everything, all of that just has to go. And Jesus, I, I pray for those who, who don't know you, Jesus, that these next few moments you'll move our hearts to be in line with what your heart wants for us. Thank you, Jesus, for promising us an amazing place called heaven. We ask this in your name. Let's pray. My hands bowed and eyes closed right now. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, if Jesus lives in your heart, just... Right now, just why don't you just, just tune everything out and just say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for pursuing me. Thank you that when I wanted to give up on you, that you never, ever gave up on me. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your gifts. Thank you for everything. Thank you for the things that you've done for me that I'm not even aware of, Jesus. Just thank you. If you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Christ, you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, today's your day.
today's the day that you can act, today's the day you can say Jesus is Lord and you can give your life to Christ. If that's you and that's your wish today, then right where you stand right now, I want you to just pray this in your heart. I want you to pray in your heart. Just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you as my Savior. Jesus, you are Lord. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Come in and take over. In Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just prayed and asked Christ to come in your life, then I want you to do me a favor right where you stand. I want you to put your hand straight up in the air and leave it up because I want to celebrate with you. Just put it up right, right in the air. Just put it straight up in the air. Don't look around. You don't have to worry about it. There are hands in the air right now. Thank you so much. Anybody else? I want to pray for you. Father, I want to thank you so much right now for every single hand in the air. I want to thank you, God, so much for the salvation that you brought in this house today. God, I want to thank you for the reminder for, for, that you brought in this house today. God, that you, you love us. Your love is unconditional. Your grace is undeniable. God, I want to thank you that there is a cross where our sin was paid for. I wanna thank you that the tomb is empty. I wanna thank you that you've given us your word. I wanna thank you that you've given us your spirit. I wanna thank you that you've given us victory over anything or anyone that comes against us. I wanna thank you that you've told us that no weapon formed against us will prosper. I wanna thank you, Jesus, that the same spirit that brought you from the grave lives inside of us. God, I wanna thank you that you've never left us. You've never forsaken us. God, I wanna thank you for what you've done in this church. I wanna thank you for what you're doing in our lives. And I wanna thank you, God, that we've always got something to look forward to in you. We love you, Jesus. And everybody that agreed with this prayer said, amen and amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Me too. Y'all have an incredible week. We'll see y'all back here to finish up the series next Sunday.